Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 56, Blood, Sweat, Respect. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. The XFL is on a roll. This week, we have several XFL developments to cover. We're also blessed with two interviews. Later in the show, I will be joined by tight end and Orlando Guardians draftee Tommy Auger to discuss his football journey and XFL draft experience as well as the XFL Fan Show co-host Jason Spurgeon drops by to discuss the St. Louis Battlehawks' efforts and market impact in the lead-up to the 2023's kickoff. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On December 6th, the XFL teased black and white sample images of their new uniforms to promote their unveiling. Also, on December 6th, reports surface of likely partnership problems between the XFL and the NFL Alumni Academy. Varying reports allude to different likelihoods, but according to Donnie Woods and his connection with a few agents, the partnership has come to an abrupt end. In reaction to Woods' post, several notable XFL media members and platforms have further elaborated on the matter. So there is some smoke to the situation. Despite the rumors, neither the NFL Alumni Academy or the XFL have released a statement of any changes to their partnership. As a side note, as of the release of this episode, the NFL Alumni Academy's Twitter account still has the partnership pinned at the top of their page. Therefore, I recommend taking these reports with a grain of salt. Then, on December 7th, the XFL unveiled Under Armour as the league's official uniform supplier, as well as each of their team's home and away digs for the 2023 season. The release was broadcasted on ESPN Sports Center and included Danny Garcia, Russ Brandon, and several head coaches. Later in the day, additional XFL coverage aired on ESPN's NFL Live with Dean Blandino, Heinz Ward, and Terrell Buckley discussing the upcoming season and a sneak preview of notable rule changes. At this time, I will not be diving into each of the team's helmets and uniforms. If you are interested in getting your team's new digs, the league has a sign-up to reserve your spot in line for your team's pre-sale. Be sure to visit the XFL shop to register. Then, on December 8th, the XFL announced key rule changes for the 2023 season. Per the league's press release, there was a focus on excitement, player safety, and transparency. Among the most notable rule modifications are 35-second play clock, three overtime scoring rounds, three timeouts per half, fourth quarter onside kick alternative, Option to keep the ball with 4th and 15. As for what notable rules return from 2020, tiered extra points, kickoff rules, double forward pass, as well as others. 
For a glimpse at the entire rulebook, visit XFL.com. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by tight end and Orlando Guardians draftee Tommy Auger to discuss his football journey and XFL draft experience. Welcome, Tommy. I appreciate taking the time to come on to the show and discuss your football journey and XFL draft experience. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Before we get into the XFL draft, I think it would be beneficial if we provide some of your background first to help inform our listeners so they have a better understanding of who you are. You played your collegiate ball at Division Three St. John's University, not to be mistaken with a school of the same name out of New York City. Can you walk us through your recruitment process and your college experience? Yeah, so um, coming out of high school, I thought I was maybe going to have some D1 opportunities. I did some visits, but didn't end up getting any scholarships, even though I ended up getting all state and leading the state and receiving. But I had some D2 offers, and then there's a couple options for really any of the D3s that I talked to as well. So I just decided since I didn't get any D1 scholarships, I wasn't going to try to walk on anywhere. Or And D2 wasn't something that interested me so much, so I decided to you know, keep the baseball career going as well and play at St. John's for both football and baseball because uh, they got a great football program there and the baseball program's always been top end too. So I thought it was a good opportunity to keep doing uh, two sports that I loved and stay busy every semester. So, Yeah, I mean, sports is a passion that a lot of people can't let go and sometimes they have to choose one over the other for whatever reason. That's kind of tough, especially a lot of people that come from these schools that like myself, I was a three-sport athlete in high school. And if you were talented enough to play two or three in college, I can see that's really difficult to I mean, one to pull off, but to give up. And no, that you're blessed to have that opportunity, regardless what type of division you yeah, have to play up. I'm super glad I I made that decision and met some like some of my best friends and had like a really great time there playing both football and baseball. So I'm glad I stuck with both sports, and I'm really glad I chose St. John's because it was like a perfect school for me so so let's focus on your football aspect here obviously this is a football show with the xfl so let's focus on your collegiate football experience how was it at the d3 level i know a lot of people kind of look down upon it like we were talking a little bit here before we got started can you just kind of share what that experience was obviously you were in what minnesota is where st john's Mm -hmm. is located so can you just kind of tell us about what that conference is like and what that quality of players you're up against the coaching and all that can you just kind of take a moment to share that yeah I think it's really good competition now especially because I'm getting the sense of what players are like that that come from different d1 and d2 schools now that I've played in a a couple different leagues and been to a a bunch of different workouts I think that one guys from there get overlooked a little bit just because it's not on tv and but there's a there's guys that make a lot of like big strides from the time they're in high school to the end of college. And I think that's a big difference. Well, so I think a lot of guys that probably want to play at a higher level from D3 probably could if they, if they stuck with it, but some guys, you know, just made the decision that they don't want to keep playing anymore or, or whatever it might be. But the competition at D3 is I'd say super high level, especially just compared to other leagues I've seen. So. Well, right. Because there's a lot of, Division one bounce backs. There's those players that didn't have the grades, so they're trying to still prove their way to get into D1, but they have to do it academically. It's not really their mm-hmm. talent. So 
I think there's always that kind of misconception or that bad publicity, if you will, that kind of goes to a D3 school or D2 school or NAIA school. It doesn't mean the talent's not there. I think, if anything, it just shows these guys want it more. It's not that a D1 guy doesn't have passion for the game, because they do, but I just think if you take this route, you have to have some raw passion for the sport because you don't have all the amenities. You know, you don't have all those facilities and budgets are significantly different. So it's just, it looks different, but it doesn't mean that football is still not of a, a good quality because we see now a number of players still make it to the National Football League. Maybe not as many as we'd like to think mm-hmm. from the D3, but now we've seen it more into these alternative football leagues. Obviously, not all these D1 guys are beating out these D3 guys. So if this is of any consolation, the proof is here in the pudding, so to speak, that you can hack it and you're proving it, like you said, at workouts and all these different leagues. So let's kind of move forward here to what you have done post-college. You made your transition to the professional game, I believe overseas first. That's right. Yeah. Um, after about a year after college, because I, I didn't have any contracts or any any offers to play uh, anywhere right away. So I did accounting for about a year uh, until I got a chance to go over and play in Honems, Austria, which was a really great experience. Yeah, I believe I had read someplace because of COVID, you had a chance to do that accounting and it kind of just ate at you a little bit, right? Is, can you kind of share that? I, I yeah. think I had read someplace where that fire somehow got, you know, relit for you. That's right. I, I'd say like right away when I started my accounting job, I, I really liked it. We were going into like, the office and like traveling a good amount to different businesses. But once we had to start working all from home, I was like, all I could think about was just like playing football. Cause I'm sitting in my room in this room, 12 hours a day doing accounting by myself on my computer. And I was obviously open to any, anyone that wanted me to come out and play for them. I would have said yes, but that's when I really started like pursuing it, like emailing all these teams, like, either my college highlights or or some information about like how I was doing in certain like lifts and or combine type drills just like getting that information out there to to really more pursue it because when I was working from home that's all I could think about was playing football so so you took an active role it wasn't like getting representation that kind of took care of that for you you were very active in locating coaches key staff members and just shooting emails, DMs, that type of thing, right? Exactly. And one of my college teammates that was a few years older played for the same team over in Austria. So I, I kind of had uh, a connection that way. And then one of my former coaches at St. John's had spent a few years coaching over in Europe. So he had a bunch of contacts over there as well. So I also got a lot of help from those guys to uh, get that first contract. The first team was Simplex. Blue Devils. I, I don't want to butcher your name. I'm not familiar with the Austrian Football League. So, no, some people are going to be like, wait, what? Austrian Football League? But please just share, you know, the team, what the team was like, what the environment was like compared to American football. How was the fan bases? How was the football itself, the coaching, all that stuff? Yeah. So, the is the Cineplex Blue Devils. So, Cineplex was the like the sponsor just where they got a, the team got a lot of the funding from. Uh, I don't think it's as common in the last couple of years, but a lot of the teams will be like, have a main sponsor, like on their Jersey from 
just because that's where they'll get the majority of their funding. Uh, so ours was just the movie theater company that's over in Austria. And so in Honems is right next to Switzerland and Germany. So we had a, we had a few players from each of those countries as well as me and another American guy. The coaching was really good. We had a few uh, Austrian coaches, a guy from Switzerland, and then our head coach was an American guy who had a lot of experience in different parts of the world and also at different levels in America. He, I know he coached a few years at Arizona State, and I think he he was uh, like Keenan Slovis's coach in high school, or he had connections, like previous connections coaching him. So he was he's kind of coached at, at a bunch of different levels, so it was really good to, to learn from him as well. And then the other thing about playing over in Austria is there's a lot of really athletic guys that are kind of still getting the nuances of football a little bit, just because not a lot of people start football at the age of like nine or 10. They'll generally get into it about like 15 or 16. So there's little things of, about football that they're still learning, but you can tell the the athleticism and the talents there for a lot of the guys. So it's more raw talent, if anything, kind of so to speak, or is it? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. And also at least in some teams in our league, you could kind of tell the teams maybe a little bit top heavy just because there's not that many players. So by the the end of like your lineup or the guys that might be on the bench are even more raw than, than the guys that are playing. So it, it kind of, there's like a noticeable difference I'd say, but like you said, there's a, there's a lot of guys that are raw over there, but they're, they're still just kind of learning the nuances of the game. So they probably tend to be a little bit younger. I'm assuming I'm yeah. ignorant. So it's no, not right. The, yeah. There's a, so because it, there's not college teams over in Central Europe, especially. I think there is like in the UK and there is in Japan. So a lot of the guys that would be like college age, like we have a couple guys that are like 20 or 21 playing on our team. So there are European guys that will go over to America if they're like, especially if they're like D1 level, like recruited, they'll go over to America. But a lot of the guys that aren't recruited to D1 schools in America will just start playing for one of the teams maybe in their country or maybe a different country or now, especially that the ELF's growing a lot. I think a lot of guys are young players are, are playing in that as well. Aside from the blue devils, did you play for any other teams throughout Europe or was that kind of your only one stint? Nope. I was just over there for the just six months and then back to America after that. Essentially you springboarded that to fan controlled football. Mm-hmm. Was it directly or was there a little bit of a gap in time? So I got back in about August or late August from Europe, did the hub football workout in front of a few NFL teams. And then after that, I was actually in California for that. And there was an FCF workout that same weekend in California. So it actually worked out really well. Travel wise, I just went to that after. And then uh, the head coach at the time uh, of fan control football, Coach Jenks just called me right after the workout and let me know that they, they'd probably be sending me a contract in the next coming weeks. And once the USFL draft came and went and I, I was undrafted, then it was a pretty easy decision just to play in the FCF. I am not an expert on fan control football. I don't even try to act like I am. It is what it is. I have tuned in to some games here and there. So I, it's not like I've ever really became a diehard supporter of it or anything but it's a unique league not just you know that it's indoor football or a version of arena 
that some people always kind of, okay, it's a different brand of football, you know, versus traditional outdoor, but it's a different league. And I kind of had some players on that kind of shared a little bit more. Can you share how unique that league is and how that experience impacted your game? Yeah. One thing that's pretty different about it is the tight ends in it. I'd say we're used to mostly block way, way more than 50% of the time. If I had to guess, that was kind of a little bit of a transition for me. Like I, I blocked in college a lot, like probably about 50, 50. We ran the ball a lot because a lot of times we were just up by a lot and we didn't really need to throw it in college. So I was used to a lot of blocking there, but when I went over to Austria, I was like our main receiver in the in the offense so I didn't have to block a lot over there and I kind of had to develop those skills again especially big D linemen a lot of times we're blocking like D tackles or or bigger D ends so that was definitely a part of FCF that I think really helped develop my game was in the in the run blocking game there's other parts of it that kind of you know you always have someone head up, so you got to, you know, be really good on your releases. So there's there's a bunch of different nuances of of the FCF game that helped me, I think, develop as a as a better player overall. Essentially, was blocking not like your strong point? Because, I mean, I, when I had looked up some of your highlights, you look pretty solid as far as, you know, receiving tight end. And I'm not just trying to, you know, fluff you up or anything here to make you feel good. Like when I was watching, I was like, you seem like a solid receiving tight end. Was it kind of like that was more your bread and butter, the passing game versus the blocking? And that's kind of now that it has helped aid you or benefit you now as you transition back to the outdoor game? It's kind of been like up and down with having to block so much because in, in high school, I was just a receiver. We I'd never really had to block at all. So at the beginning of college, it became like a, a thing I had to learn. And then I think, you know, by the end of it, it was kind of like my strong suit again. I think that was part of the reason... I got named as All-American is because I could do both block and receive. But then when I went over to Austria and like I didn't have to really do it for a whole year, it kind of took, you know, some, you know, work to get back to being a, a strong run blocking tight end. And especially against guys that had, you know, like we t- talked about, the guys that had came from D1 schools, like they're really, really good D linemen. And I had to, you know, step up my game in that that aspect as well. And I kind of took it as a personal challenge to be able to one of one of the best run blocking tight ends in the league. And I think by the end of it, I kind of made that a, a point in my game. We have seen so much with these alternative spring leagues, whether it's been XFL, USFL, you know, brief stint there with major league football, that all these rosters are, are much smaller than the national football leagues. Obviously, anybody more of a hybrid, somebody that has more of that strength in multiple areas, it kind of elevates them, you know, brings them kind of the cream of the crop, so to speak. So I could see definitely how if you had steered away from it and then, you know, the FCF definitely helping you kind of solidify your flexibility, your wherever you can fit into the game plan, so to speak. The end goal is the National Football League, right? I'm assuming it's no different mm-hmm. with you than any other player. That's what your dream is. That's what you're striving for. So did you or your representation have any focus on the USFL more so, the XFL? Because I know you eventually ended up attending a showcase in Arlington. So how was it in making that focus, that shift, where you put all, you know, more of your eggs in the basket, so to speak? I didn't really have 
too much of a preference one way or another. The main thing for me is I just wanted to, and really I've had kind of the same, the same goal since post-college is just trying to play at the highest level that I can get a chance at uh, year over year. So like that first year, the best place I get, had a chance to play was Austria. The best place I had a chance to play at like highest level competition last year was FCF. So for this next year, it didn't matter if it was XFL, USFL, wherever I felt like I had the highest level of competition to play is where I was going to go because I feel like as a guy coming from a D3 school, I need to prove myself against against anyone, guys who have, you know, been in the NFL for five years or guys, you know, guys who have played at, at a high level in previous spring leagues. So when I was done with FCF or when the season ended, my goal was to just find wherever that was, whether it was USFL or XFL. And it just ended up being that I, I got drafted in the XFL. So, and I do think that is the the best level of competition underneath that, the NFL, just looking at a lot of the guys. So if it was USFL, I think, you know, I'd probably have that same perspective if, if that was the league I was playing in too. Uh, but I think they're both great, you know, opportunities for guys to to prove themselves over again whether they're guys trying to bounce back to the NFL or guys trying to get their first shot at it. Yeah, I agree. I happen to be an XFL show. So I know sometimes people are like, well, you're an XFL homer, so to speak. But reality is the leagues are on par, right? Somebody might start to separate themselves. And, you know, the XFL has a little bit more bigger names attached, obviously, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, obviously, you know, that big movie star personality and that helps and it helps bring in a lot of more national football league guys with their first time head coaches again. So that kind of is not the strength for the XFL, you know, with the first time head coaches, because they still got to figure out how they're going to function as a unit, you know, with their staffs and with their players, but it doesn't mean they can't be great, but it does have a lot of more of that flash, right. Because of bigger names and stuff. But in the grand scheme of things, the USFL is, is really, it's on the same level. You know, we talk about the Canadian yeah. Football League as well. It's a different brand of the game, but those opportunities are all on the same level. It could essentially just be interchanged in leagues because we have seen the XFL previously. Obviously, all these players have signed on with teams where they've latched on to the 53-man roster or practice squads, but the same thing with the USFL with their past this past season. So clearly, they're on the same level so i get that and as a player sometimes i'm always just kind of curious because every once in a while you see somebody kind of tip their hand that they would prefer a particular league and i'm always just kind of curious and why why would somebody essentially say they only want to go one way versus the other because at least you got a good head on your shoulders like you just want to play at the best and they are essentially equal so i i get it you attended the showcase and what was it, Arlington? Yeah. You, yep, re- you received an invitation to that, or was that one that you had just registered for yourself? I I registered, and then, like, a day later, just, like, got a, a email saying you've been accepted to, gotcha. to participate. So, With that showcase, obviously, you're trying out in front of coaches, whatever they got, breakaway data there. Did that lead to any additional workouts before the draft with you, with any of the teams, one of those private workouts? I worked out for a couple different teams. I, I worked out for Orlando two times. Uh, they were the first one I did, and then 
I did an, another one for them right before the draft. But in between then, I also worked out for D.C. and uh, St. Louis. Those three teams kind of was what, when we were going through the draft. And then also Arlington, I had talked to a few coaches from there. Those were the kind of the teams that when we were going through the draft, I was sitting right next to my phone hoping I'd get a call or something. So those are kind of the teams that had taken interest in me from the from the start. And, yeah, I got to work out for a few of them. Well, that's pretty good, right? Some guys didn't get private workouts, but they had communication with just one team. And I had uh, another guy that got drafted on the show, Aaron Nelson, and it sounded like it was all going to be one way, right? If it's going to happen, it's going to be so-and-so. Mm-hmm. But here you must have felt pretty good because you had several workouts. You're having communication with other teams. So you must have felt that your chances were pretty decent. I felt pretty good. The first day, especially going in, I was like, I felt like I was... On day one, I was like, I feel good about it. I, I've been talking to all these teams. I feel like one of them will probably give me a chance. And then when day one ended and I was not on a team, I was then I started to get nervous because I was like, well, now it's either tomorrow or I don't have a team to play on right now. And I don't really have like a backup plan set up exactly. So I, I was definitely nervous the second day. It kind of like put some you know, like doubt in my mind about whether or not I would get a chance. But going into that first day, I felt really good because I was like, talked to a few few other guys and they kind of were like what you were saying, like they had just talked to one team. And um, I was like, well, I got a, a few teams that at least, you know, have my name and might be interested. So I, I feel like I might get a chance. But, you know, once the first day went by, definitely got a little bit nervous about not getting picked up. So your big moment, day number two. You're nervous. You're like, okay. But the bigger names are off the board, so to speak. But what I found interesting is, uh, if you can see behind me, I'm originally from New York, so I've got mm-hmm. the Hitmen and the original Guardian. So I'm now live in Florida, and I'm still a Guardians season ticket holder. So I'm kind of glad to see you selected here. But what was interesting is that you were selected in the second round of the specialist segment of the draft. Can you walk us through how that came about where you weren't in the offensive skills, obviously, or the open phase? Do you have experience maybe being a long snapper? What kind of got you into the specialist segment of of the draft? I never really worked on long snapping like in college, but I was just our like emergency guy if our long snapper got hurt. I, I really didn't have that good a technique. I'd just kind of whip it back there and it would, it'd be fine. But over the last, like the last months, I've just been working on it more. Just to, like you said earlier to try to, you know, be more valuable to the team with a smaller roster. So I've been working on like the technique of it and gotten much, much better at it. And then one of the coaches from Orlando called me after they had select just like a minute after I saw it pop up on the screen and just let me know they want me to long snap and play tight end. And they thought maybe a team might grab me in the open round. So they wanted to, you know, draft me before that had a chance to happen. So yeah, I think it'll be a good opportunity to prove a lot of value to the team being able to fill that spot. And then also maybe play some fullback and maybe split out or whatever kind of the team needs. So yeah, I wasn't terribly surprised when I when I saw it happen in the specialist round, but I uh, I've just been trying to make myself more valuable in different ways, and that's one of the ways that I've been working on a a lot in the last half a year. I have some aspiring athletes that tune in, and they message me all the time, 
and I try to keep it with just people that are affiliated in one way or another with the XFL as to, you know, I'm sorry, and I'm not going to bring you on as a guest. But this is just more proof in the pudding, so to speak, for these guys that are chomping at the bit of why it's important to diversify your own portfolio, so to speak, as a football player. I mean, this is something that you could easily just been whatever, but you saw the benefit and the opportunity that could be there. And that's why, obviously, you did this type of thing. I mean, is this something that's been frowned upon by a lot of players? I'm just always kind of curious as to why more players haven't diversified. Like how you're talking about, you're even willing to talk, play you know, fullback if needed. So is it is it just not that common? It seems like it's a no-brainer, but I'm just trying to understand why it just doesn't seem like more players don't train or try to diversify themselves. I'm maybe not totally sure. I think maybe uh, guys just get uh, really focused on getting as good at, at their position as possible. But I don't, I don't think it necessarily affects, you know, the amount of work I've been putting in at the position I played all my, my life. It's just kind of spend a half hour after each workout, you know, getting better at this other skill. And uh, so I, I'm not sure why more guys haven't learned to, but I think maybe it's just either kind of they maybe don't know the, the benefit it could have or not really having it as a conscious thought. So you're selected by the, the Guardians. You have probably a little bit more of a connection with the Guardians team now because they drafted so many players from fan control football. Mm-hmm. Right? So you probably have a little bit more of familiarity with your 2B teammates as well as coaching staff. Was there a connection there? Does that make you feel better that you're selected in this situation versus having to start fresh with some coaches maybe you didn't have any connection with and players? So I knew Coach Ford, who's the offensive coordinator from from fan control football. He was there for the first few weeks we were there. But I, I really liked the entire Orlando coaching staff. They At all the workouts, they were super – I thought they were really good coaches. They were, you know, personable guys. And they stayed in touch a lot, which was, you know, something that made me really like those guys. So I'm definitely glad that I'm with this coaching staff. And, you know, like you said – I know a few of the guys from previous leagues and I think it's a, a good thing because I think there's a lot of probably guys that in the FCF that were overlooked and are super talented. So I'm, I'm glad that this coaching staff was able to, you know, see all the talent that the rest of the teams were maybe overlooking um, that had played in the FCF the last few years. So when they first completed the two days of the draft, you know, I had, somebody on my show and we're going through and obviously I didn't put grades to them, but we looked through Emory hunt had rated the teams. And I, I look at the guardians roster as just a, a wild card. I think there's so much that is unknown about this team that they could shock some people and, and you as well. Cause it, you got drafted. So I think it's very intriguing. And I know there's a supplemental draft. There's a whole lot more that's got to happen with another draft and training camp and stuff. But for me, not being an FCF guy, not really watching a lot, but more highlights I I watch, I'm very intrigued. I'm looking forward to it being a season ticket holder. I guess it's not a question for you. I'm just making a statement here. It's just, I kind of feel what you're saying. I'm like, this is going to be an intriguing thing. And if you got that feeling that you're looking really forward to having some, you know, some familiarity, with coaches, players, I think that's good for chemistry because we know that short, the, the uh, training camps are short. We're looking at about a month. 
how important do you think that will be in bringing the team together and be ready for February 18th's kickoff? Yeah, I think it, it definitely will, you know, make a difference having familiarity with these guys and having played with them before. And I, I think another thing too is that a lot of those guys that are coming out of the, the FCF feels feel like they've been overlooked in, in different parts of uh, their careers. So all those guys, I can for sure say that they're going to be fired up and, you know, be, you know, passionate about the game and really be giving it their all every play because we all know what it's, what it's like to not get that chance. So now, now that we kind of have, you know, some food on the table, we're definitely going to try to take advantage of it. And I, I do think that, like you're right. I think we could hopefully shock some people. So they released the jerseys recently, right? The uniforms, the helmets. What are your thoughts on the digs, those uniforms? You yeah, I think wearing. they're cool. I really like the helmets. I'm not much of like a fashion guy. I, you could throw me in a rag and I'll go out there and, you know, hit someone. But I think they're cool. I really like them. So. I think what's really cool, I don't know, hey, did you hear about what is on the back of the collar that Dwayne and Danny had put in there? No, I didn't. Blood, I didn't. blood sweat, respect. The first two you have to give to earn the last. So I, I thought like it was that. kind of a, a cool thing. Yeah. So Is I, that on the back of all the teams or just, just Orlando's? In the collar. Now, if it is for only one or two teams, I'm shocked, but it sounds like it's in all of them. It's kind of a okay. motivating factor that reminds you that you might be here, but you, ha- you haven't got it all yet, right? You still have to earn that respect on the field. So I like that you mentioned kind of that chip, so to speak, that's coming from a lot of these FCF guys. And, you know, this is where I'm kind of starting to be a little homer for the, the Guardians a little bit, which is which is fine. But uh, the reality, I think it's kind of cool. I'd want to see a team that's got that chip. You know, there's a lot of guys are D3 or D2 guys, you know, they kind of already have that because they feel like they're still got to prove themselves. But I kind of like even the guys that still were on the outside looking in from even D1 schools, the FCF that are still chomping at the bit. And here they are. So, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's just in the nature of, you know, having the guys that are coming from the FCF. If you think about it as like they're guys that aren't just waiting for, you know, the NFL opportunity. We went down to Atlanta, you know in front of maybe not the the biggest crowds, but just grinded for the the passion of football, trying to, you know, make a name for ourselves and move up the ladder. And I think that's something that all of us have in in common is, you know, you wouldn't go down and play in an arena football league if you didn't have that extreme passion for the game and trying to, you know, prove something. I mean, that makes sense to me. It's like anyone that's playing in a men's league, I don't care if it's basketball you know, softly, you know, some of these are beer leagues and more are just more socially, but there are some leagues where people are just playing for the passion, but you guys are not just playing for the passion. You're also playing with purpose to get someplace. So I think that makes that player very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like that somebody's going to lose their life, but I mean, in a way that it's a person you cannot rule out. And that's somebody that I would like to have in my corner. And that's, you know, something that more I look at the guardians roster at first, I was like, ooh, it's a wild card. I just really don't know. But now I'm like, oh, they're a wild card. They could be really good. So please prove it to be the latter. You, you and your new teammates, that'd, that'd be awesome. Yes, sir. So obviously, draft's over. And there's going to be another draft coming. But I'm hearing that some of these players, obviously, have been in contact with a lot of coaches. 
I mean, how much communication have you had with the Guardian staff in the lead up to camp, which I believe I'm hearing everyone's reporting on the 6th, but camp starts on the 7th? Yeah, that's the same time we report as well as the 6th. We've just had a few, I, I think defense is doing the same separately, but we've just had some offensive meetings, just, you know, getting the playbook down before we get there, just to have some uh, knowledge before we get to camp. We don't got to learn the whole thing there. So we've, We've been meeting uh, twice a week. Some players we've been getting together down in Orlando to throw some routes uh, in the coming weeks. We're definitely, uh, you know, even before we get down to camp here, grinding together, trying to trying to get the playbook down and trying to get on the same page. So is that more done through like a Skype or Zoom situation? Is that how you're kind of doing it with the coaches and players to get down the, the playbook? Yep, we've just, uh, just been on Zoom with the offense and uh, – just had an hour session Tuesday, Thursdays, just getting the playbook down. In this session, or these sessions that you're looking to do down in Orlando, is that more team or is that more player driven that you guys are like, hey, we probably should just get together and start doing this ourselves? Player driven. We we just got a group message that we put together and we're trying to get on, you know, the same page, quarterbacks, skill position guys. So it's not defense or I don't even think any linemen, but it's just running backs, tight ends, receivers, and, and QBs. So just trying to, you know, time out routes together uh, and just, you know, maybe have a a step advantage, hopefully leading into training camp. I love that because I got talking with some previous guests about how important chemistry is, right? You can playbook all day long, but it's the quarterback has got to be able to time the receiver, the tight end, as far as how fast they are, what, you know, how quick they make that break, that cut. The running back, you know, you got to have chemistry is how explosive that person's coming up to even hand a ball off. Like, it's such a basic thing that I think so many people overlook it. And the fact that you guys are doing this is more of a testament to you players like yourself of how serious you're taking this. And, you know, this is a very professional mindset. This is where I think some of these casual fans that kind of give the XFL or USFL, whatever leagues, this this look of, ah, oh, it's just very amateurish. And like it's not. You guys are very professional. Even here just proves more that you're going to take time to pay for everybody for your own airfare, your own hotels, your own meals, and find your own facility. If this isn't what a fan should be a fan of, then I don't know what would be. You guys are definitely doing what's right. And I hope really that the other seven teams are doing something similar because that short camp, there's only so much time to to click. And for that first game, you know, then all eyes are on you. You only have 10 regular season games. So every game is going to matter as far as your footage for any shot for you guys to make it to the next level to the national football league. Yeah. I'm sure the other teams are are probably doing something similar. You know, that's kind of what you're always thinking is that, you know, we got to, you know, get a, step ahead of them before you know because if we're doing nothing they're probably getting a you know a little bit of a lead on us so definitely like you're saying the chemistry is important and i think that's part of the reason too that um it'll be helpful that a lot of us have played together in the past because you know a little bit of timing might be there where it might take a you know an extra week or two for guys who are new to each other to develop that so yeah just trying to get more reps and uh get on the same page as early as we can Good deal. Tommy, it has been a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show and share your football journey, 
your XFL draft experience, everything that's kind of leading up to camp that's going to start here in early January. I would love to have you come back on the show, you know, once you make the roster sometime and then see how things are going, you know, with the team as the season progresses. But I know your contract's probably going to dictate what you may or may not be able to do as far as access moving forward. So hopefully we could find a way to make that work out with uh, the teams or communications uh, departments. Sure thing. Yeah. Anytime uh, you need to guess or anything, I'd definitely be willing to come on. You know, I'd love to have you come back and hopefully, you know, I'm watching you in person, catching some touchdowns and and winning a lot of games and, and whatnot. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the support. Oh, you're welcome. But before I let you go, I know there's a bunch of listeners that may not be familiar with you that may want to kind of follow you and your journey. How could they do so? What social media platforms do you use and and whatnot? My handle on both Instagram and Twitter is TommyOJ39. Uh, and OJ is spelled, it's spelled like auger, which is usually what I um, get when I'm talking to, you know, new people. But it's spelled A-U-G-E-R. It's a French last name. So it's, I'm, you know, I don't usually correct people if they say it wrong just because it's, it's a tricky last name. And I don't really know anyone else with it so i don't expect people to know it but yeah so tommy and then a-u-g-e-r 39 on both instagram and twitter if you you know want to hit me up follow me or you know send me a message i'm always responsive on there so well now that we know let's try to get it right so you know make your name more known and more popular that's the goal i figure my goal is always uh, you know, the last last two years, I've just said, like, for people to, you know, know how it's pronounced before I meet them. I think that'd be pretty cool. If you're the trailblazer for your last name and it just becomes widely known, accepted as what it should be, that's got to feel pretty good that you're kind of putting that forward and, and you know, the, the family name, so to speak, and getting it right. Because I, I remember when I went to college and my coach kept butchering my last name for whatever reason, kept putting an, an N in it. I'm like, man, you, you recruited me. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, how are you getting it wrong now? You got it right on all the recruiting trips and stuff. But it was like, but it was like, you, you recruited me. Like, but it didn't take long for him to get it right. It's one of those things like, yeah, I know what it's like, but you sometimes have to make a name for yourself and you're obviously doing it. It doesn't matter if you had to go overseas, SCF, XFL now. We'll try to get it right. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm going to keep grinding until. Tells more known. Well, there you go. National Football League, here you come. Again, I appreciate you coming on, and I'll be in touch. All right. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I find Tommy's journey fascinating. Another Division Three player grinding it out and making his dream happen. He absolutely fits the Player 54 moniker. With stints in Europe and fan-controlled football, How can anyone not root for him to succeed with the Orlando Guardians in 2023? Best of luck, Tommy. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by the XFL Fan Show's co-host, Jason Spurgeon, to discuss the St. Louis Battlehawks' efforts and market impact in the lead-up to the 2023 kickoff. Many of you may know him as Dirty, where he and Arlington Lang co-host what was once the XFL STL talk show. They have been covering the XFL for years, and they do so in a very real and personable way. 
Welcome, Jason. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL's progress in St. Louis and more. Well, uh, what progress has there been? Well, up until just the last few days, we haven't really had a lot of progress, but I digress. I won't be negative. I use that word because I knew there's going to be a discussion with it. And that's exactly what podcasts are all about, whatever Mm -hmm. discourse or discussion is going to come from it. So I believe it's a bit beneficial for our listeners. If you were to share your background of covering the XFL so if you could take a moment to do so, I think it'd be, it'd be helpful for our listeners. Do, do you have a moment? Cause this could take up the rest of the show on how long this is going to go on. Uh, a lot of people know me as dirty from uh, way back in the day, back in 2018, when we started the show from the XFL STL talk show, because, you know, we saw the XFL, me and my partner, Arlington Lane, we were excited about the XFL coming back. So we started the show about the St. Louis team. And that's how we mainly focused it on back in 2018. So it, it just progressed. We did the grassroots movement, you know, cause we had just lost the Rams a few years ago, back in 2015, we lost the St. Louis Rams. And, you know, the NFL was like, well, St. Louis isn't a football team. We're like, no, we're a football team. I mean, look what, look what we did. Even when you guys were terrible, we still packed 50,000 people into the dome for one in one in 16 teams right so when the xfl announced they were coming to st louis we were like excited right and i mean as you know being in the alt media is like that we are it's it's very hard for local medias to get on board with anything new so we were like we're going to be a show for the fans by the fans right so we figured we were going to have our show controlled by the fans so we would do the show we would have the fans come on And they would dictate what we would say on our show. We really didn't start noticing on how much the show had grown until about, I'd say, three to four months into it when we started looking at our numbers. Because, I mean, our first show we did, we had maybe five to ten listeners, right? The second show, all of a sudden, we had 4,500. We're like, wait a second. Something's not right here, right? So we're like, let's do another one. So we did another one. We averaged again a couple hundred. We're like, okay. And then things started rolling back in 2019 with more things coming out about the XFL and stuff like that. And we were like, let's go every week and see what happens. Then when you start averaging, you know, 1,000 to 3,500 live viewers on a Wednesday night, you're like, something's happening here. And it really wasn't until about April when we really knew that people were actually paying attention to us. So, I mean, that's really how we started it was because we knew no local media would cover battle Hawks and, you know, until it got closer to the season. So that's why we started the show. That was the main reason. It's a grind. Anyone that asked me, it's some people like, Oh, Hey, I've come across your show and I'm thinking about doing a podcast myself. I'm like, well, are you committed for the long term? And that's really what it is, because in the short term, it takes a while to go from a handful of listeners. And I mean, before that becomes two handfuls, right? I'm just, that's the reality. It just doesn't happen overnight. And then those two handfuls eventually turn into 20 handfuls and then Mm -hmm. 20 handfuls, right? Turn into a bit more, but that's not why I brought you on here. But the reality is it's a grind and it's a commitment. And you guys have been committed to your show through mm-hmm. you know the the thick and the thin 
all that has kind of happened, obviously the second iteration of the league and now we have the third iteration of the league upon us. So when I kind of had this idea, I'm like, well, you know, I want to tap into each of the markets. Right. I want to kind of get a feel for each of the markets. And it's, I could reach out to the local news affiliate sportscaster Mm -hmm. and maybe some cases I might, but the reality is if you want to feel and you want people that are actually really paying attention to the XFL and what is happening or not happening, like you said, the word progress, right? There's two sides of every coin here. So Mm -hmm. the reality is I'm like, you are in St. Louis. You are my guy. Arlington, is now put, you know, down in Houston. So that kind of steered me to Jason, also known as Dirty, to be my St. Louis expert. I'm like, who else is going to really be paying attention to what is or is not happening in the XFL in St. Louis? So you are my man, so to speak, my right. insider so, for the market. <laughs> I would say that, you know, there are a lot of guys out there that say I'm not an insider. They say, you're just a fan show. You're not credentialed. Okay, look, I, I've been doing this. I've been doing this since 09, this video podcasting since 09, right? And, you know, I've seen it. So, I mean, I've talked to people like breaking, you know, music stars is breaking Benjamin, Marilyn Manson, Limp Biscuit. I, I was been to, I've covered UFC events. I've talked to Dana White. I've talked to Tyrone Woodley. I've been to Bellator events. I've been to WWE events. I've interviewed all of these people in my life. So when people are like, oh, well, you're just a fan show. Okay, you can say what you want, but here's the, here's the reality of it. I've literally been doing this since 2009. It's taken me till from 2009 to 2018 to find something that people wanted to really listen to. And it wasn't until I got with Arlington and we started doing the now it's called the X Fan Show because we had to change the name, which we'll get into that later. And it, I mean, you know, so then when you, you're doing the grind, I mean, it's every day. I mean, it's long hours, you know, that you're doing this. And I mean, my poor wife now has has put up with so much of things that I've done and crazy stuff, jumping through flaming tables for fans, you know, getting a tattoo where I had 20,000 people watching on a Friday night of me getting a battle hall tattoo. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so you're right. It's you, if you want to do this, find something that you're dedicated about, find something that you like and put in your 10,000 hours. Because if you don't, you're just going to be another guy that's sitting there doing a little show that you're only getting two or three listeners and you're getting friends and family to listen to you. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's when you know you've made it is when you're in the doctor's office, right? And you have a person lean over to you and go, hey, don't I know you? And I'm like, what? They're like, aren't you dirty? And you're like, wait, what? And, you know, dirty from that show. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. So that's what the surreal part is. You know, you're just like, wow, people are really listening to what I have to say. And it just kind of throws you out. You know, here's this. 46-year-old dude who was the class clown in school and was always in trouble. And now people tune in Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays to hear what the hell I have to say about the XFL now. It just amazes me. But it's because I put in all of those hours to get to where we are. 
And it's been a lot of long hours and a lot of hard work to get here. Well, to be transparent, mm-hmm. I have been one of those crazy people that have been tuning into your and Arlington <laughs> show now for a little while. Although, right? although your show is a bit different than this show, yeah. particular show, my show, right? Mm-hmm. I believe you guys cover the XFL well, and your commitment is second to no one, anyone, whoever you. covers the league. And that's just an honest observation because, like you just said, it's commitment. You've been doing it since 2018. You have a different approach. Mm-hmm. And that's why I felt it was important to have you as a guest so we could discuss the XFL's relaunch and its return yep. to St. Louis, which was obviously a no-brainer because of mm-hmm. what had happened in 2020. Correct. Talk about the no-brainer. Obviously, the XFL was a hit in St. Louis during the second iteration. Well, okay, so I'll stop you there because I know you're going to have a second part to it. At first, the XFL did not believe it was going to be a hit in St. Louis. So I remember we were standing at Bar Louie. They did their very first somewhat town hall meet and greet, right? That, or happy hour, right? So we posted it on our page. Said, hey, XFL's have an event at Bar Louie. We set up an event. Come down and join us, right? We're going to be here. Let's see if the XFL, who they're going to bring with us, right? And at that time, they only had, uh, I want to say it was Kurt Hunzinger, uh, Ed, and Andrew. So they only had three employees in St. Louis, and those were the three guys. So we get there, and we're like, holy crap. There was, there was 500 people there for that event. And they're all coming up to me in Arlington going, Oh my God, man, we heard about your, we, heard, we, we know about your show. We heard about this event. Where's the XFL people? And we're like, we don't know. We just walked in. So once we talked to Kurt and them, they were like, we didn't really think people were into this. And I'm like, look, and I showed them, I'm like, here's the numbers. You know, I showed them on my phone. Here's the numbers. Here's what we've been doing for six months. Or, you know, at that time it was four months. And I'm like, there's a need for this. And I was like, if you guys aren't smart, this if you're smart, this is what you guys should do. And they said, well, we don't think so. Like, we told them to open up the dome on the game on game one. They said, uh, we're not going to do that. So we knew there was a need. But the XFL, because of the way the Rams left and the way local media covered the Rams and then how local media kind of bashed the XFL when it first came out or came back, they didn't really believe in it all of that much in 2020. They didn't think it was going to last or work. So that's, that's, the, that's the first part to your first answer, your first question answered. Well, it became a household name, though. No, household name wasn't the word for it. <laughs> well, I mean, it just it's tough to talk to anybody that knows anything about these alternative spring leagues or professional mm-hmm. spring leagues that does not know the success of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Mm-hmm. You can't find anyone that does it. So that's what I mean by household name. Is yeah. it a phenomenon, whatever it became? You know, there's a, so much more we can look into. And there could be a documentary on that in and of itself. The reality hey, hey, of, whoa, whoa, whoa. slow your roll. Slow your roll. I might be working on that. Uh, you never know. I'm sorry. Uh, that did not no, come out of my mouth. <laughs> no, you're good. No, you're right. It has become a phenomenon. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I'm 46 years old. So I remember the Big Red, right? I remember the Rams. I mean, hell, my firstborn son is initials spells Rams, right? 
But so I, I knew the phenomenon this was becoming because of what I saw. And I mean, I mean, look, I hate Kakal. Kakal started on her show and all that stuff. You know, I hate it. But it, I mean, it's everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't want to embrace in 2020. They didn't want to embrace it. I mean, I remember we had uh, who did we have on the show? We had Damian Washington on the show, the receiver for us, right? And we asked him. Have you ever heard of Kakal? He's like, oh, man. He goes, you know, Coach Hayes would be ripping us a new one. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody would just yell, Kakal. And then the whole team starts yelling Kakal. That was back in 2020, you know? So, I mean, just like, and you're right. To say that the St. Louis, I mean, to me, the St. Louis Battlehawks, just for the five games they played in 2020, holds a more special place than the St. Louis Cardinals and the St. Louis Rams do. Because of the way that we did this as a community, the way that we did this as a fan base and the grassroots movement, how we built it up to where it is today and how it still is today because of me and Arlington. So right there, that grassroots movement, Mm -hmm. right Right from the ground level Mm -hmm. with your ordinary people. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through what it was like to be in the community on the ground, seeing how that, you know, enlighten us, how that was developing in the lead up to 2020. What changed from that first event? You know, was there like a light switch moment with the league, with staffing and maybe taking these grassroots a little bit more serious? Was it a little bit, you know, more drawn out before they really kind of got a hold of, or figured out what was really happening, get on board with it. So can you kind of enlighten us a little bit and walk us through how this phenomenon, this household (laughs) name really came about? So here's what I'm going to, here's how I'll say it. So in the sports world, right? When you look at, when you look at shows, right? And if anybody really knows about St. Louis, there's a thing that we call the St. Louis divide, right? So St. Louis is a very divided community as a whole, right? So when me and Arlington were talking, you know, we'd, we'd gotten together through some other people that we did, right? And we were like, let's do a show. You as a black guy, me as a white dude. And what we're going to do is we're going to show that two people from the opposite races and stuff can get along and do a show together, right? So that was really, and we're going to do it for the fans. We're going to bring the fans together, right? So we started doing the show. And then what we started seeing was that we had fans from Troy, Missouri, you know, which is out in the woods, I guess we like to call it here in Missouri, in the boonies, right? And we had fans in North St. Louis. You know, we had fans in Farmington, Missouri. We had fans in East St. Louis. All of a sudden start talking to each other through our show and starting to become along, right? So we saw it slowly snowball and rolling, right? So again, like I said, when we met with these guys, we said, look, here's what we're seeing. You guys are dumb. If you don't open this dome up, you'll sell it out. They're like, there's no way. I said, I guarantee you right now, you could sell this dome out with us coming to these events, us helping you promote this. I mean, we were there free advertising for six months before they even had a team name. We were the ad- we were their advertising, right? And they were, I mean, we just saw it. And then they did the happy hours. I mean, they did 37 happy hours. We were at 35 of those 37 happy hours. 
And I think of all the happy hours we were at, there were only two that we ended up having bad snow days and we didn't really get anybody at, right? But I mean, every other one that we had, at least there was 100 to to three, 400 people at these. I mean, we literally had one bar where we had to turn people away because we had so many people in this little corner bar down in South City. They were like, this is just unreal. And like, I mean, people would just come up to me in Arlington. They're like, man, the only reason why we're into the Battle Hawks is because of you guys. That's the reason why we listen. We're like, hey, thank you for the support, but we need to support the team, support the league. And that was that was our goal was, was to grow that St. Louis fan base. I mean, you know, we're part of, I mean, we're part of every St. Louis fan group out there, right? And people are just constantly, if anything happens, they're messaging us saying, what's this? What's that? So to, just to watch how it all grew, like just two dudes from two different areas coming together and making we we brought we we basically say we brought St. Louis together over the St. Louis Battlehawks. Because when we talk about the Battlehawks on our show, there is no St. Louis divide. Everybody loves everybody. You know, and it, it was very evident in 2020. I'm not gonna get too political, but you know, we have fans on both sides of the fence, right? And they'd come on and they would start talking crazy. And I'd be like, look, that's not where this is. And they would instantly stop it. Just stop and say, hey, you're right. We're here for the football. I don't care if you think one way. I don't care if you think this way. We're here for the Battle Hawks. And I mean, we literally took that and threw all of that other junk of 2020 out the window when we did our show and brought all these people together. And so, I mean, that's how we did it is we stayed positive and we wanted to show people that, hey, we can all work together and we can all do be one fan base. For game one, we turned away 15,000 people at the door. Game one. Game two, we turned away 25,000. But we didn't know what we were talking about and couldn't put 50,000 people in the dome on day one when we told them we could. They didn't believe us. So, yeah, that's how we did it. That's how we did it, and that's how we still do it every day. Obviously, the Battle Hawks were the flagship. There's the flagship even when they renounced unveil the teams for this time around. That's the reality of it. Like anyone, it's not to take a shot at any other city that, you know, some other cities did all right or did well, even with, you know, Seattle. But the reality is the Battle Hawks is the flagship. You know, that's, they proved it in 2020. So here we are. Flagship franchise. And this time around, things may be a little different. You know, I use that term. What type of progress are they making? What, okay, what are so we seeing? Let's, so let's talk about that now. That It's like that flip of the switch. Here we are now. 2023 uh-huh. is lead up. Well, let, let's go back to 2020. You say that we were the flagship, right? To be honest, we were actually third in ticket sales at first. We'd only sold 9,000 season ticket deposits, right? The team that sold more than anybody was the Seattle team. Seattle had sold over, I think they'd sold over 11,000 tickets. In 2020, right? So, but it wasn't until game day when St. Louis took over, right? It wasn't until we took over. And then we basically became the flagship of the XFL. 
So now you have 2023, right? Everybody's all in a fizzy going, oh my God, I don't think the Battle Hawks are coming back. And I'm like, you guys do realize we sold, we, we sold 55,000 tickets against LA at the Dome. Why wouldn't they bring us back? And then everybody's like, well, they're going to change the name. I'm like, not, I don't know if they're really going to change the name. I mean, if you see everything that the 2023 has done, it's been a movie production, right? And so you can go back to when The Rock and Danny bought the XFL back in, uh, what was that, in August, right? Of 2021. Or yeah, 2020, right? So you can see the movie production laid out in front of you. It's not very hard to see what's going on. You just got to go and look for it, right? They're making this into a movie production, right? This is a movie production for them. Now, have they moved slower than what they did in 2020? Yes, they did because it seemed like 2020 was much more transparent with us, right? But if you really look at the timeline, they're pretty much on the exact same timeline they are with 2020. Just a diff, just kind of a different way of they're doing it, right? I mean, The Rock and Danny aren't dumb people. I mean, who's the largest movie star in the world? Uh, he is fifty for million dollars, right? Fifty million dollars a picture, right? So they know what they're doing. So, and what I always like to say is that it's it's like a slow, it, they, you know, they're baking cookies, and they're pulling them out one batch at a time, like we like to say, you know. So to say that they're not on par with twenty twenty is kind of unfair to the league of twenty twenty three because they really are. If you really look at it, I mean, uniforms are being announced tomorrow or on. I don't know when this will air. So on December 7th at 11, at a 1 o'clock Eastern time, your time, 12 o'clock my time, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, right? Uniforms are being announced on ESPN. They didn't do that on 2020, right? They did them at local bars, in local establishments, and then posted it on their Twitter page, right? The draft was featured on ESPN. In 2023 it wasn't on 2020 it was a really bad zoom call meeting and i mean it was really bad you know what i mean they had a little link you know you had one little bitty box and all these little bitty boxes trying to read everything to watch the draft in 2023 boom boom it was all coming right out right Every major announcement has been done on an ESPN establishment. So it's like they have, the, they have a crack in their dam and the, and the water's just slowly trickling out the crack. Sooner or later, that dam's going to break and everything's going to come out, right? So to me, they're pretty much on par with what they were doing in 2020 compared to 2023. Well, I mean, I guess when we look at the markets, I mean, we can look mm -hmm. at timetables across the whole league and i don't really disagree with that statement because i think it has been i've been one of the people that have been fairly patient it's been rare that i've actually been impatient with the league on anything i mean right. there's probably a couple moments where i may have tweeted some things out here or there but the reality is i've been pretty patient because i know what the timetable is and not only that i've also compared the timetable or whatever we're at with mm -hmm. the launch of the usfl Right, the mm -hmm. competitor. Straight up, that's the XFL's competitor. 
Mm-hmm. And if if they could rush everything last minute and it's deemed a success for the USFL, I don't understand how if this timetable is too slow for people when it's significantly further ahead than the USFL was in its launch. So I have a little issue with that, but that's it's not about that. I guess we're no, I'll, really I'll give you why. I'll give you why. So it's like I said, in 2020, they were very transparent with us, right? Anything that we wanted to know, they would tell us, right? I mean, it was constantly had information left and right, right? All the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, right? Now, when you're a multi-million dollar company like Redbird Capital is, right? Like the Danny Garcia company is, like The Rock is, like Danny Garcia is, right? You don't become that way by telling all of your secrets right away, right? So the diehard fans, the diehard fans like myself and Arlington, I mean, did you watch any 20? Well, yeah, yeah, you did, because I see the Guardians jersey. I mean, you had the guy right there who caused the major problem in Matt McGloin here in St. Louis because he cried because he didn't want to come back on play because we were beating him so bad. Yeah. You know, you have the fans like us that were like, well, hey, they were doing this for us. Why aren't you guys doing it? They told us this. Why aren't you telling us this? They did this on this day. Why aren't you doing it on this day? Because it's just it's two different animals. One was an entertainment company run by an entertainment guy in Vince McMahon. This one is actually ran by a movie production company. Do you tell all your secrets in the movies? Do you? No, I mean, there's a trailer, and that's just about it, right? To the lead. And what have we been getting periodically from the XFL? Well, right, but I mean, I, I guess what what I'm trying to ask, and uh, I'll just kind of try to. We already had a couple batches of the cookies already pre- previously made for mm-hmm. us, right? We already yes. knew the XFL had been around for two iterations. We already know the league's name. We already, we just needed them to relaunch or unveil the, the cities and mm-hmm. then the, the names and stuff. We, we knew they were hinting a lot of the team names were coming back and stuff. You know, when Becht was on, you know, Coach Becht was on your show and he said mm-hmm. they're not stupid. They know what people want. Without saying the Battlehawks are coming back, he was right. essentially saying the Battlehawks are coming back on your show. Right? Pretty much. So, here's the reality. We have whatever timetables of the league, but when we look at the individual markets, and you're, here you are, my St. Louis expert, mm-hmm. you seeing currently billboards, television, like, uh, are they talking about on the local news, on, on the sports or what's coming? Are, are you seeing it in the local papers? Are you, where is it in comparison to the lead up to 2020 now? Is it still similar? I mean, you're not seeing as much of those uh, events, right? You're, you're trying to, you're trying to get the old dirty to come back, aren't you? I'm not oh, trying to get I- you to be, to be rough or anything. I'm just trying to get a feel, right? Our fans are kind of like, where's the XFL right now? We already right, know so what they're putting on their social media accounts and what we're seeing on ESPN. But what where social media account? There's only one social media account that's really been active as of late, and that's for the Seattle Sea Dragons. On their but, but what I mean is the XFL Twitter account or Instagram. Right, or, so it, we already Louis, they can see that. But as far as what are you seeing in St. Louis this time around in the lead up? that is either on par slightly ahead or is the progress kind of lagging on those meetups? So the, to progress speak. Is what, the progress is lagging here in St. Louis. There's only one place where I see an XFL advertisement 
every day, and that is right there at the Dome. Now, other than if you watch a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday show on our show, you'll see something about the XFL. But other than that, the only time we hear anything about the XFL here in the St. Louis market is if Coach Beck is in town. That's it. That's the only time we hear anything about it. Other than that, we ain't hearing anything about it until Coach Beck is in town. So, in a, in a way, they are lagging behind in that form of St. Louis, like they did in 2020. And I think that has a lot to do that they don't really have a lot of local presence in St. Louis as of yet. Because, you know, you're, we're seeing that people are being hired left and right, right? I mean, we still don't have a team president in St. Louis. And in any of the cities, to be honest, we don't have a team president, right? Uh, we have a few people. But are they here in St. Louis? Or are they in Arlington? I mean, a lot of the stuff is going to be based in Arlington. Now, I, I do that. know, right? I do know that when we did the town hall, which was twenty, you had to get a special invite, which I did get one, and then they opened it up twenty four hours prior to meet Coach Beck and Coach or Russ Brandon. You know, they did say as the season starts to come closer to the season, we are going to be in the cities, right? Okay, that's cool that you tell us, but we know that in roughly January, training camp starts. We know that's going to be four to six weeks, right? Where it is January 6th, according right. to... <laughs> according to head on that has, well, uh, even according to uh, Aaron Nelson that was drafted by the Houston Roughnecks, he has said that camp starts in Arlington on January 6th. So that is right. what he's been told. So that right. is not just what is being fed to us. So it's being told to the players that are going to be reporting that it's starting on January 6th. Exactly. So uh, in that way, yes, in the local area in St. Louis, they are behind. I've reached out to the league saying, hey, what do you got? Let me help you. I know there, you were, we're on a skeleton crew. Let's help. Let's work this out. I know they're busy. It takes them a few days to get back to me. So every now and then we'll get something and then we'll talk about it. But yeah, I mean, compared to 2020, now how they are in their local markets we're the big we're the biggest voice of it for the local market i mean we've had one fan event that was the fan event that we put on at the aviator flight deck you know so yeah they they are definitely behind in fan engagement here in st louis on that front by time that this episode does drop which just so you Mm -hmm. know i drop them on mondays every monday Right and early, you can catch this episode on a Monday, right? So yep. we are several days ahead, mm-hmm. seeing that it is Tuesday. We're talking on Tuesday, right? But we are yep. ramping up. I got a couple things, you know, irons in the fire here. I'm trying to put together for the next episode. Anyway, <laughs> by the time this drops, we're looking at 70 days until kickoff. Yes. Right, and we'll have uniforms. Which are being... Uh, I'm- Oh, right. So we'll have that almost a we'll week. Have that tomorrow. Invest, we'll have right? that on the, tw- on the 7th, right? I do know that there are some other events that are being planned in other areas, right? I know that there is an event being planned here in the St. Louis area, which will probably be happening right around the January timeframe. That will be a fan event put on by us with, you know, all the fans here to get the engagement going. And so it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens 
within those next 70 days before kickoff. I know the major question everybody here in St. Louis is asking, schedule, schedule, schedule. Of course, everybody wants to know when the schedule's coming out, right? But if you're going to be a season ticket holder, why do you really need to know when the schedule's coming out? In my the only, opinion. The only thing I can see why, like I'm trying to plan something potentially for the first home game. And it is right. a guardian season ticket holder, even though it's almost, what, two to three hours away, depending on traffic from where I mm-hmm. live here in Florida to get to Orlando. But I like to coordinate something, and I don't want to you know, let the cat out of the bag too much because it may or may not happen. But in my situation, I'm also getting married on April 15th. I had a health issue. Well, thank you. I had a health issue that kind of shifted. We were supposed to get married back on October 1st, but some things, not knowing how things were going to play out, and I wanted to make sure I was going to be able to enjoy my wedding day with my beautiful bride to be. So we Who's shifted making that. Pizza? Who is making yeah homemade pizza? And I'm really hoping to enjoy that here shortly. Hopefully, it won't be cold by the time we finish here. But anyway, I have some dates that I have to go back to take care of a wedding license in New York. New York has a certain way that you have to get it X amount of days before you say I do. So I know that's only going to work on my schedule with X amount of paid time off with me and my fiance. So we got to fly back on a weekend to do that within the window that might take out an XFL date, right? Which could be a whole right, yeah. I have the wedding that's in April, which is going to fall on a weekend. So if that's a home, I can see how some people are like, man, I just want to know. Well, guess what? It ain't going to impact me. I'm, going to my wedding folks it's what's going to happen <laughs> but if i wanted to fly someplace to also support the league and get a hotel mm-hmm. room and stuff the longer people wait we already see that airfare is astronomical it's shot right up. you know mm-hmm. you know the longer you wait on hotels you probably are either going to get booked or they're probably not going to be as cheap because you're not getting as good of a deal mm-hmm. those type of things so i can see someone but for the bulk of the people that are putting their butts in the seats it does not make that much of a difference for the bulk. Maybe, you know, some situations like myself, but that's just being selfish, I think, at that point. Right. In the grand scheme of things for the league to be a success, I mean, how many people are we really thinking that's going to impact if they don't make it? Here's a newsflash. I already have my season tickets. If I don't uh-huh. make it, they already have my money. Right, okay, exactly. So, so well, here, here's like, how bad would it really hurt them? That's, I mean, I, right, just, exactly. I don't Now, here's it. something I'll say, because I, I, I'm kind of seeing how the tickets are selling in St. Louis, right? I'm seeing the seeing tickets. I mean, you know, if you went by some of the math that was out there, right? There was a lot of guys putting out some really good math. You know, you had uh, guys in Seattle putting out really good math. You had Reed putting out some good math. You had Mike Mitchell putting out some really good math. Oh, you had Stefan putting out some really good math, you know, but going by that GA stuff, doing the four tickets, right? Now, we know that St. Louis was that GA 18, right? So, I mean, you know, we me and you talked about what you did. So, you kind, we kind of do the same thing. So, you know that if you're going to take, if you're going to do it in a percentage, everything's usually in the thousands, right? So, if you go at GA 18, that means that's 18,000, right? So, we knew St. Louis was roughly around 18,000. Now, I mean, I have reached out and made some contacts, and I know that St. Louis has, out of those season ticket deposits, has had like close to just over 15,000 people have bought 
those season tickets out of their deposit. Some people they're still trying to get a hold of. And again, some people are like, well, I need to schedule. And again, like you said, look, you, you said you got a wedding in April. You got to fly back to New York, right? You're like, I already got my money. So what does it really care? I'm going to at least be there. You know what I'm saying? So my, my speculation for St. Louis is that the way it's going here in St. Louis, don't be surprised that if St. Louis with the revenue and everything, that we don't carry the entire league football operations. And when I say football operations, I'm talking about the leases for all the whole, for all of the stadiums, right, that they're going to use, the traveling for all the teams that they're going to use, and, and stuff like that. So when I'm talking football operations, I'm talking that kind of stuff, right? I mean, look, they got Chalk Hall Stadium that they're probably paying literally to next to nothing for because where is the whole, the headquarters of the XFL? Right. Arlington, Texas, right? So I see St. Louis with everything going on in St. Louis because as soon as that schedule drops for St. Louis, I guarantee you we're just going to blow everything out of the water. That dome will be packed. The tailgating, the parking lots will be packed, and people will be down there again. So that's why I'm saying St. Louis, by everything I'm seeing and the way that I saw in 2020, don't be surprised if St. Louis carries the football operations for the entire XFL. That's just my opinion. All right. You kind of just jumped ahead of what I was going to ask next, but it's perfectly fine because it's what I was going to ask next. I was going to say back in uh, 2020 with XFL mm-hmm. 2.0, there was a deafening sound of cuckoo, right? Just oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I've even shared when I was on your show back what, a couple months now, I think just yeah. how it, when you were trying to court me, cause we didn't know what the team names are going to be. And I was a guardian season ticket holder before mm-hmm. just happened, the team happened to follow me to Florida. It just worked out. I don't have to change my allegiance. It just, instead of it saying New York, it's now Orlando, but right. That annoying sound. Oh God. And it, it's not to take a shot at St. Louis and the battle Hawk fans, but the reality is, Will the battle cry from what you're saying? The people are going to be there. Is it going to be just as deafening because you have that fill the top campaign because you have that shirt posted up behind you? That? Right there. Right there. So the reality the is, are you anticipating this time around? Oh, there's the new one. Fill the top. Are shirt. they going to let you guys with coach back to even talking about fill the top, fill the top. Are they going to cap it again and potentially let people walk away like they did? Well, you said 15,000 people that went 15. to the gates that could not get a ticket, mm-hmm. could not attend. What are you hearing with this? I mean, do you have any contacts over at the at the stadium? What's going on? Are, are they going to cap it again? Are they that foolish? If you're talking about if the people are ready and they're going to be there again on day one, what are you hearing? Are, is the league going to allow it? So here, uh, let's go back to 2020, right? You, when you said it was deafening. Like when me and Arlington finally realized we made it, we were at the stage of the official tailgate party that they had in 2020 with Big Papa G, right? He announces us and the people start yelling dirty in Arlington as we walk onto the stage, right? Now you're talking, we probably had, because they had 29,000 in the stadium, right? And in the square in front of the stadium, there was probably 20, to 25,000 people. And we got them doing a cacao chant. And apparently where we had our tailgate at, right, which was two blocks away, 
from where we were, the people actually said they heard caca. That was two blocks away. On, in a dome in front of them, but they still heard the caca, right? I honestly think this time around, I don't think they're going to cap it. And I, like I said, I think once the season, once the schedule comes out and the people in St. Louis see the schedule, it's good. Tickets are going to go crazy. I mean, hell, I mean, I was able to get my tickets on day one when tickets went on sale here in St. Louis. I couldn't get them for almost a week because ticket masters kept crashing because of all the people in St. Louis trying to get their tickets, right? Thank God for Jason Ganella. Great dude is how I got my tickets because <laughs> he had to call me and help me get my tickets because I couldn't get them. I couldn't get into Ticketmaster. And we had a t- conversation there, and I'm like, dude, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, man, when that schedule drops, you're going to need to open up that entire dome. He's like, well, I don't know if it's going to work. And I'm like, yeah, I heard that before. And he's like, I just don't know if it's out there. I'm like, well, I'm telling you, man, I see it every week. It'll work. Open that dome up. I guarantee you'll get 50, 55,000 in there. And that's what they need to do. But I get why they want to be conservative right now, right? I get it. But I don't think they should in St. Louis. I think they should just say, we're filling the top because Coach Beck has bought into the fill the top, right? The Rock has bought into Kakal. Danny Garcia has bought into Kakal. Anthony Beck has bought into Kakal. Russ Brandon has bought into Kakal. You know, I, I mean, they. in my opinion, they'd be stupid if they don't open up the dome. And it, why Why do it and turn people away again? I think they'd be dumb if they didn't, if they but didn't open it up. It kind of sounds like they're not going to, right? It, for, if you're having the conversations right now, being like, if they're still hesitant, it sounds like the plan is not to. Unless something forces that them to change it. This is what's kind of crazy. I mean, this is what kind of blows my mind. The holidays are a pause. I don't care what mm-hmm. holiday you celebrate. All right. I don't care. We know from recording, I think today is 12 days out from Hanukkah, right? Correct. Right? It just it tells you how close the holidays are. And if mm-hmm. somebody wanted to give their friends of you know the Jewish faith a Hanukkah gift, and they wanted to gift them tickets. You can't buy a single game ticket right now to gift your Jewish friend. And I'm not here to talk religion here, people. I'm just talking about it. It is the holiday season upon us. Christmas is upon us, right? Who's going to gift season tickets to everybody? No, but they might gift their friends a ticket to a particular game. This is where I think it's a a missed opportunity for the league. This is what kind of blows my mind. With the holiday season... We got jerseys coming out mm-hmm. tomorrow, which is going to be in time mm-hmm. for the holidays. All right. Mm-hmm. But are they going to be on the shop? Are they going to have increase the offerings of merchandise? I mean, and these are not answers you have, but this is the type of stuff that I've been pretty conservative and laid back and right, patient yeah. with the league and stuff. But I'm like this holiday season, every retailer in the world mm-hmm. maximizes their entire year based off the fourth quarter people i don't care if you're brick and mortar i don't care where it is you might be losing money the first two quarters of the year with your over your overhead when it comes to the fourth quarter this is where they make the money why because it's a holiday season and why the spring football leagues continue to be so delayed on getting their tickets out there for single games for 
their store offerings. We had pairing. I say we, as in the XFL, I'm investing in the league, had merchandise in Dick's Sporting Goods in mm-hmm. 2020. But guess what? It's not in retailers this time around. It's just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. I'm kind of on my soapbox. I don't normally do this. But this is kind of <laughs> this. Anyone that listens to the show knows I don't really get on a soapbox. I don't really rant. I'm yeah, yeah. Really, I, you know, I kill. But like here, the reality is this is where you would think. Danny Garcia, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Redbird Capital would have been licking their chops like, hey, we're going to cash in where no one's okay. cashed in before. I, I'm, I'm but they haven't that. done it. All right. Here, I'm glad you said that. So let's look at what just happened two weeks ago, the NF, the XFL draft, right? We just saw new XFL hats come out. And guess who? guess who's on the side of that hat? Under Armour, right? Right. Yes. So two weeks later, you notice just here recently. Every two weeks, we have something big come out, right? Correct? So, yeah. on December 7th, we got the uniforms coming out, right? Okay? Now, what's not to say come December 13th or that next week, they don't say, hey, here's our Vegas venue, and here's your season, season your schedule, Right? Now, go buy your Jewish friend Hanukkah present. Go buy your friend who celebrates Kwanzaa a season game ticket. Go buy your kid or your husband or fiance the jersey that one and get same-day shipping that will be there before Christmas. Who's to say that's not going to happen yet? Well, I was going to say, because we're getting close. Now, if you're paying for expedited shipping... Anything's still possible. But we get to around, I think that I've been hearing most like FedEx and stuff are talking about the 14th, the 17th, depending on what's going to be that ground shipping. That's where your cutoff is. If you wait too long to keep releasing these jerseys, and then if you're not stocked for it, again, how quick did we see jerseys sell out? And here's the thing. One, you should have been prepared for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. <laughs> I, I think they were, but I think they had some uh, transitional things going on. Oh, no doubt. I mean, within the league. I think there's been, and I don't want to act like there's a bunch of problems. I think there's been more issues that have popped up than they have anticipated, even though they had plenty, of, even though they had plenty of time to prepare for this relaunch. That's mm-hmm. kind of just kind of the sad thing is for yeah, how I'll, I'll big they are. They just have I'll let you get off the soapbox and I'll get off. I'll get on the soapbox. Okay. Have they could they have done things better? Hell yes, they could have done things a lot better than the way they did it. Could they have been more prepared for Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Yes, they could have, right? Do I think that they might be way short staffed in the the where they're supposed where they should be? Hell yes, I do. Do I think this one hub city thing where everything is being held in one city is kind of hurting them? Overall, yes, I do. But what I have seen and what I've had faith in is that as soon as they drop something, boom, it goes, right? It sells out, right? Like, oh, we we just got the new merch and it's all been sold out, right? But what if that merch had already been there for a few months, right? What if they already had all this in place and they already know what they wanted to do and this has all been in place for months? I mean, I rewatched the Anthony Beck video about when he released the Battlehawks new shirts and logos, right? 
He goes, I've been waiting for this since February. I did see that. I've been waiting for this since February. You know, like you said, when he came on our show, he said the fans in St. Louis are not going to be upset. So right there, it tells you we're the Battle Hawks. Get over it, right? right? I think this has all been in place. It's just, and if you think about it, if everything they're shipping is coming out of the Arlington greater area, what is what is Fort Worth Dallas to, airport? It's an international airport. It's one of the biggest international hub airports, right? Boom, stuff goes out quick from there, right? So I think that we're going to see something. I would say we might see some the schedule release come next week. With the, the week of this show that when it airs, I think we might, but I don't know 100%. It's just well, how, thing, I, how I see everything. The thing with the schedule, and this is where I do think, I know a lot of people are antsy, right? They want it. And I, mm-hmm. it's a bit selfish. Or I get it. But without the schedule, you can't, you won't be able to buy individual game tickets even without that. So I, I get why you're not selling them. But if you would have gotten it out sooner, okay, you could have done that type of thing. And I think that's a missed opportunity. I, agree. I do think the schedule is on hold. Because of the Vegas stadium situation. <laughs> so here, because here, uh, so you can't my... really yes, guarantee that being a home day for somebody unless you know that the venue is locked in, right? In, for that date. Mm-hmm. And that's all part of the lease is going to have what dates are already going to be on there for their availability. Kind of like we already know from previous reporting for a while now that the dome, the battle mm-hmm. dome, only locked in five dates. They reserved yeah. five dates. And we saw that report a while ago. So if you really mm-hmm. think about it, if those dates ever did leak, I don't have them in front of me. If they did. They haven't. I was going to say, if you did, you kind of know when your home games are because they only reserved five dates. So. Right, yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, look, you know, in St. Louis, you can kind of go and look at the schedule for the Dome yeah, and kind of figure out what your home games are going to be. Yeah. Now, to the to the Vegas thing, we talked about this on the Tuesday show because this is going to air Monday. So we talked about this on Tuesday on December 6th. I talked about it with the mayor of the XFL, right? Don't be surprised that like, if you do a little bit of digging and do a little bit of searching that they already have their Vegas venue already in place. Like you've been seeing it. The What, what was the we, – because we even talked about it. The Fiera Brothers. Yeah, right? I don't know if I want to go down this road because no, I, was told, because, listen, I was told I was look. being irresponsible for okay. sharing what my okay. credentialed guest had said on the show. Okay, he didn't here. lead into where he had heard it. Again, I I mean, if you want to talk about it, all right, but I had well, been told I, I, I was look. irresponsible. Look, look, Mike, you see, look, I, I, do you think I care? Do you I, know think you I, do, care? I know you don't, but the reality is, you know, I know I keep this show pretty buttoned up. And I know a lot of people are maybe too white collar at times. But the reality is you have your dirty speculations on your show and you're welcome yeah. to, you know, share whatever you do know or whatever you Here's have what heard. And say. that's why I have you as a guest. But it's just right. kind of funny that I was told I was being irresponsible with that information. <laughs> right. But here's what I will share with you. What is that place that what is it called? I know it's Fiera something. What's it called? What's the whole name of it? It's Bishop Gorman. Is that the one you're talking about? The high Bishop school? Bishop Gorman. Right, that the Fierro brothers built, who the Fierro brothers used to own UFC, who sold UFC 
and Zufa to Endeavor, which Endeavor has a partnership with Redbird Capital and Seven Bucks Production. So, you listen, if there's smoke, there's fire. Look, let's say they have this done. I'm not saying they have it done 100%, but I've had some people close to me say, it's a pretty given shot that that's where it's going to be. Now, listen, all you guys can come attack me. You know where to find me at. You can find me on Facebook at The X-Fan Show. You can find me on Twitter at Dirty x-fan show you can you most of these got my number call me up but i'm telling you my little crystal ball may be fuzzy a little but i've been right about 99 percent of the time so you weren't too far off mike so give yourself a pat on the back because you had a credential guy kind of tell you you were not far off I on mean, your thing if that happens it's mm-hmm. not, it, it, it doesn't matter because it's not like I dug it up, right? It's just somebody nah. said something on a show and technically he said it on the Mark cast as well in whatever conversation and how that came about. Again, mm-hmm. the reality is if that's the case, it's a 5,000 seat stadium. I guess a stadium is better than nothing, bringing anything in. Even if they add seats, wow, that's going to be on the small side. Wow. But let's look at it right now, really. What did they, what did they pull in LA? But they yeah, really pulling Tampa. They, they, they were, were, yeah, there's they struggled. Exactly. So why not put a team name that already struggled in one market? You move them to another market, right? Build that market up, right? Now it's not to say they might move to a different stadium somewhere down the line, right? It's not saying that, okay? But it makes sense because if you, you were a team that was struggling, right? Put them in that other stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've heard some other stuff about other stadiums, you know? Like, I know in certain stadiums, they're only, they've only sold, they're only selling one side of the stadium for cosmetic reasons. You can see that they're right on Ticketmaster. You already see that on Ticketmaster. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm not bashing any other city because the job now is to grow the other cities. It's to grow Las Vegas, right? It's to grow San Antonio. It's to grow the Orlando Guardians. You know, St. Louis, Seattle, Arlington, and Houston, they pretty much have a already built-in strong fan base, right? But it's to help grow those other, other fan bases, right? And that's what it is about. I mean, yeah, I do talk on Wednesday nights about just St. Louis, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm talking about the whole league. And it's to grow this entire league. So that's why it's important to have shows like yours, Mike. Which Player 54, give yourself a shameless plug on your own show right now. Well, obviously, if they're tuning in, it's Player 54 Podcast. <laughs> what date is the broadcast? Mondays. There you go, Monday. See, so tune in to Player 54 on Mondays. Right. Don't be a loser. Tune into the guy's show. No, because you're going to have some of my fans tuning in. Because most of my fans are all idiots, Mike. I mean, it's, it's the truth. A lot, of, a lot of the fans that watch me are morons. Well, that, that makes me one of your idiots. No, 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 no. You're, you're a smart guy. Look at you. You're all buttoned up and looking nice with that collared shirt. But the majority of my fans are all morons, right? They're all idiots. I love every one of them. It doesn't matter. But anyways, you know, we're broadcasting on, on Cheap Plug, Facebooks, Tuesdays, Thursdays afternoons, the X-Fan Show, Afternoon Delight, 11 o'clock Central Time. Wednesday nights, the Fill the Top, Bat, B-Hawk edition, 8 o'clock on Wednesdays, right? 
it's good to have shows like these, you know, like I remember when we talked and you're like, man, I really want to do something. I'm like, find what it is you want to do, man. And you said, I want to do the player thing. I said, go for it. And it's, it's a really good show. You do a really good job with it. Thank you. I mean, I've had my issues with Reed in the past. I've extended that olive branch. The Marcast, a really good show. Totally different show than yours. Totally different show than mine. And people listen. Look, I've had my problems with Jay Noakes. But, you know, the dreams begin with an X. It's a totally different show from mine, yours, Reed. It, but it's a good show. Mark Perry yes. from News Hub. He's kind of bland, but again, it's a different show from all of these shows. So if these people, really, if you really want all the information, you really need to be watching all of these shows to get all of the information. You know, and and it, you know, like you, like I, you know, like before in 2020, it was I was destroying everybody, but now it's like, oh, and a new one out in San Antonio, the Smoking Guns podcast. I mean, they did a really good interview with Heinz Ward. I haven't caught that, so thank you for reminding me and yeah. as well as my listeners. That's something to, to check out. I mean, regardless if you are a fan of that particular market, those teams, there's always going to be information that comes to light <laughs> out of every interview, right? And mm-hmm. that's what kind of becomes very important in this whole thing. Why I think we're stronger together and not, you know thinking one show is the best show that doesn't matter because something's coming to light every time that's why i ask you questions because i'm not in st louis there's no way i see the billboards the radio show i just i don't unless it hits social media right it's the only Mm -hmm. way i'm gonna see it i'm not there the same thing now i'm not in orlando i'm a little bit further away but i could tell you if florida has any type of inkling of what's going on and i'll tell you where i'm at they don't even know the XFL exists if yeah, it is in conversation. Now, I'm two and a half, three hours out, depending on traffic, out of Orlando. So that's a bit of a hike. But the sad reality is I'm not that far from Tampa where a team was in 2020. And you would think there'd be some kind of talk of, oh, it's coming back. It's kind of sad because mm-hmm. when we limit ourselves, the reality is we're limiting our own information. Because we're exactly. not getting ESPN to talk about it all the time. They'll share. And maybe we'll get more coming out of ESPN. But guess what? Fox Sports is not going to talk about because that's a, nope. a competitor. NBC is yeah. not going to talk about it. Again, a competitor because they're both covering the USFL. If you mm-hmm. want XFL information, you really have to dig in and, and not only listen to these shows, but you need to tune into each of the websites, whether it's Newsroom, News Hub, XFL Board. you got to be tuning into I mean, every one of these. Look, you got XFL analysts. You got, uh, I mean, you yeah, you got board. You got XFL on Reddit. You know, you got Patrick. Uh, what's I can't say Patrick's last name, but here in St. Louis, working for News Up. You know, you got Newsroom. You got all these guys. And I mean, where before in 2020, I was just like, no, these guys should not be talking about the Battle Hawks. That's what we are talking about. And I would literally attack all of these people. Right? I mean. Mike Mitchell's one of the nicest guys in the world, and I've said some very mean things about Mike Mitchell in 2020, but he'll still take time to answer my, twi- my, t- my messages. I've talked to him. You know what I mean? And it, it's like you said, you know, and, and well, I was in Vegas for the draft, right? We were there talking to people. I mean, here in St. Louis, I still talk to everybody about the XFL, and it's like this. You know, you're saying you're two, two hours outside of Orlando, right? 
But what if you start talking to people in your area, just two people a day, about the XFL? Right? Saying, hey, see, the tickets are only this much. Let's go. Go get you some season tickets. You know what I'm saying? You can bring an extra 150 people to a stadium, right? You know, I mean, I'll give you It doesn't take much to get, you know, a couple people interested. It doesn't take much, really. Right. Here's the thing. People will drive for something they want. They just have to know about it. When Mm -hmm. I lived in Syracuse, New York, that's before I moved to Florida, I had season tickets to the New York Guardians. I had season tickets to the New York Red Bull. They all played right there in New Jersey, just outside of New York City. That's Mm -hmm. just shy of a four-hour drive. I bought season tickets, people. I made it happen. If you're passionate, I'm not the only crazy. When you talk about crazies of uh, fans, I am a crazy. I know I come across buttoned up. I'm as invested in anything that I'm passionate about. I will go. I will tailgate. I will go, you know, I will talk about it. Two, four, five. If the opportunity, I will talk it to them blue in the face to my fiance tells me, Mike, you don't (laughs) know these people. We came to the mall to do X, Y, and Z. Can we please? Just go because I'll see somebody with a football hat. I don't care if it's a Buccaneers hat down here and I'm a Dolphins fan. I'll be like, hey. Oh, I'm a Dolphins fan too. There you go. There you go. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, we were in Vegas, right? And I saw a guy with a Seattle, one of the original Seattle Dragons hats on. I start talking to him. He's like, oh, I'm actually from San Antonio. And I, we were coming through and I saw this hat and I thought it was cool. I'm like, oh, did you know the XFL was coming back? And the guy's like, Oh, you know, I might have heard something. I'm like, yeah, you guys got a team down here in San Antonio called the Brahmas. And he's like, oh, my God, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I went on the news. The lady on the local news, she was like, I want to interview people about the Battlehawks. I had friends tagging me going, dirty, talk to this lady. All of a sudden, she calls me. She's like, hey, some people said I needed to reach out to you about the Battlehawks. Can we talk? I'm like, when do you want to meet up? I went on the local news here in St. Louis. To talk about the Battlehawks. Awesome. Because I want to get it out there. I mean, I people, we know about the Battlehawks, but there's still people here in St. Louis that don't know anything about the Battlehawks. Wow. I am more than, I mean, people know how to get a hold of me. I'll talk Battlehawks all night long. My wife hates it because, you know, I work all day. You know, then I do podcasting. And then she's just like, oh, my God, you're always on the phone. But it's always XFL stuff that I'm on the phone about. You know, and it drives her up the wall. But... I think when we went to Vegas, he saw how much all that hard work had paid off for me. I mean, it still irritates her because she's probably sitting up and upstairs right now hearing me going, this dumb bastard's talking about XFL again at 7 o'clock. You know, you're 8 o'clock. You're getting ready to go eat your homemade pizza that your lovely fiance made. I, I have tell eaten. you, I've already got the text message asking if I'm done yet. <laughs> so, see, told you. So I mean, I'm looking see. down. No, and I'm not trying let to kick see. you off. The reality is, yes, we are crazies. That's just the way it is. Like, we are finding, like, what people don't realize is we are, you and I were texting, right? When's this going to work? We had a time set. Well, okay, that's something, you know, a different time will work, you know, a little bit better. Then you give me a call and you're like, hey, just letting you know, I put it in the GPS. It's looking like this time. And I'm like, let's do it. I'll log on. If you're not, I'll wait for you. The reality is we are all committed into this. And that's what is awesome because i always say we're more alike than we are different we exactly. if we met in person we'd all be the best friends whether we're supporting the same exact team or not doesn't matter we have the same passion for the the game the sport the league 
and we all want it to succeed. And the reality is if we're at a tailgate, I might watch you crash through a, a table that's on fire. I would not partake in it. Maybe I'm too buttoned up for that, but I would probably be there with a drink in my hand. So here, I'll, all be best I'll, tell you, I'll leave it this way for you. You know, you talk about crazy. You talked about how you drove four hours to go to Syracuse, right? Me, Arlington, about six diehard fans drove 10 hours to Arlington, Texas for the first Battle Hawk game. There you go. You know what I'm saying? That's probably why people we, dirty. That's probably that why because they want to plan the. That's probably why people are asking for the schedule. I get it because it. they want to plan that it. type of road trip with their with their bros or their friends, you know, to kind of right. go down and be like, hey, let's get hotel rooms, let's go make a weekend of it, and just you know support our team. But it ultimately, that's what's going to make this league work is not just seeing home team fans because some fans go without even wearing their team colors because they're just there mm-hmm. checking out, but to start getting the away team there. And I think that's where Texas is going to be awesome this year because Texas is diehard enough. I mean, really yeah. diehard football. We're having three teams there. I think you might start seeing more roughneck game, you know, fans at either Choctaw stadium or down at the Elmo dome and vice versa. You start, start seeing some of these other teams in, in the other stadiums. So that's going to be really cool to see. I know mm-hmm. it kind of sucks that we lost some teams around the rest of the country and we lost, you know, certain key markets for, television which we'll have to see how that all plays out but the reality is going to be i think it's going to be looking really good texas games could have very good attendance and it may not be because of their own home fan bases so i think that's where st louis might have competition this time around yeah. oh, and, I, I, and, it, and it's not a shot at the st louis fan base because i think now texas is going to travel so well at these mm-hmm. other games that it's probably going to help inflate some of those numbers in Texas, which is a good thing for the league. I'm just saying, when you look at the average attendance, it doesn't take much to have Arlington come to Houston, San Antonio right, come, to, come to Houston. You know, it, it, if they travel well for those couple of games, that's going to really boost some their overall numbers. But here's the thing. The league has to open up the seats to allow that to happen. Right, exactly. Jason, you know, we could talk all night. But it's been a pleasure. I know I got some pizza. It's been a pleasure. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL's progress in St. Louis and just in in general. Uh, Obviously, we got into a a whole lot more than just St. Louis in our uh, conversation. And I I know it was well overdue. I could talk talk XFL all night long. And you know, remember, people, listen, on Mondays, go listen to Player 54 podcast. Mike has done a lot of good work. And to be honest, I think he might be the best guy that has done interviews with players. I mean, I've been me and Arlie could have interviewed some players, Mike, and I'm going to be honest. They were pretty terrible, okay? They were pretty terrible. I mean, I don't know if it was me or if it was Arlington, but yours have been pretty good. Yours have been really good. So go and give Player 54 a listen to. It's a good show. You can find it. And what is it? It's on News. Is it Newsroom or News Hub? I can't remember. I we do have an unofficial affiliation with the newsroom, so it is also on the newsroom podcast right. tab. So, but I mean, it's not like I write for them or anything, so it's not that I'm an official show yeah, on that but, platform. Yeah, Monday, Player Fifty Four drops. Or for any some day. reason, this Monday you guys are gonna have to listen to me, Dirty, which you can catch me on Tuesdays and Thursdays afternoons at eleven o'clock Central Time at the X Men Show, and on Wednesday nights. Oh, it don't matter. On Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock, because I was going to say we're doing a special, but we're doing that on the 7th. 
But you can catch us Wednesday night on the X Fan Show. So I mean, Mike, I feel I feel sorry for your listeners that they've had to sit here and listen to us for almost an hour and me just talk nonsense. I think it's enlightening in whatever way you want it to be. If you're willing to open your mind and listen to people, it can be enlightening. So you just plugged your show, but yep. can you tell everyone where they can find all that? It's one thing to be like, okay, now I got to go search for the show. Can you tell them what platforms you're on, whether it's social media accounts, whether it's uh, just platforms to watch it? Because your show is not just a podcast. You can watch it live. It's video live, format. yeah. Yeah, so you can, you can catch us on on Facebook and uh, Twitter at Show. On Facebook and Twitter, you can catch us on Twitch at Show, And you can catch us. We use our YouTube channel, but we use the Pro Football Alliance YouTube channel. Because it seems that we've gotten a lot of, we get a lot of more draws. So that's where you can check us out at. Then they're live, like I said, every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time. And then on Wednesday nights, we have brought back the, the B-Hawks special uh, at 8 o'clock. So and you can still catch us on all that stuff. And I mean, me and Arlington, we're always posting on our page. It's funny that when one of us posts on our Twitter page at X Fan Show at Twitter, people are like, did you see what you just posted? I'm like, why did you post that? I'm like, you, you guys do realize there's more than one of them. I don't do all the posting. Arlington does posting also. So right. it, it, it's kind of funny, you know, that when that happens, you know. So, but yeah, that's where you could find this all at, you know. I mean, just type in X Fan Show on Facebook and on YouTube or in your Google bar. And guess what? Like literally, Mike, you, pi- you type it in, right? I'm going to do it right now while we're on your show. Fan Show, right? It's probably all right there. Fan show. Guess what's the first thing that pops up? The X fan show. There you go. Well, it's not that hard to find people. There you go. No, it's not. (laughs) And and even if you can't catch it on those particular days at those particular times, you can always find them on their YouTube page. Like you said, the, Mm -hmm. uh, the pro football Alliance there, you could find the video and just maybe watch it a day or two late if you have to, but just, it doesn't, take much to you know just tune in you just can't interact the way that i do when i typically tune in during my lunches if i can or late at night when i'm in bed my fiance right, yeah. put the phone like, if you guys want to watch us live that's the day tuesdays thursdays afternoons at 11 facebook wednesday night eight o'clock on facebook i mean yeah, i mean seriously i mean that's why we made the show it's a, it's an interactive show it's about the fans you guys can come on ask us any question you want we're more than likely I will answer the question and Arlington will get mad at me like he normally does. But that, you know, that, that's why I like asking the, you know, answering the questions of the fans, you know? So, I mean, I love all the idiot fans. I love them all. Well, perfect. Thank you, Jason. All right, Mike, not a problem, brother. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. It is a pleasure to finally have Jason appear on the show and share his insight of the St. Louis Battlehawks progress. But most importantly, We connected a while back, and he has been a friend and supporter of Player 54 Podcast, even from its Let's Talk XFL days. I am proud of how this alternative football media community is coming together. As I have mentioned previously, I believe a more friendly and united coexistence will benefit us all. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. Perez, Kobe 
all good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.